Good morning, everyone. Our scripture reading for today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 30. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have lifted me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried out to you, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You have kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now in the prosperity I said, I shall never be moved. Lord, by your favor you have made my mountain strong, stand strong. You hid your face and I was troubled. I cried out to you, O Lord, and to the Lord I made supplication. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have put off my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. To the end that my glory may sing praise to you and not be silenced. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Everlasting Gratitude, Psalm 30. Grateful for all the little ones that we have. Here's a quote by uh, Thomas Merton, a um, spiritual writer that I like a lot, wrote in the 1940s and 50s. Gratitude takes nothing for granted, is never unresponsive is constantly awakening to new wonder and to praise of the goodness of God. Gratitude takes nothing for granted. And he goes on to suggest that uh, really you can't be grateful just a little bit. That you are either grateful or you're not grateful can't just really be grateful for a few things and then ungrateful for a whole bunch of other stuff. He, he, he says it can't really work that way. Because if you're ungrateful in a few things, it's finally going to lead to being ungrateful generally in your life. That's just how it works. So can we be grateful today, this long weekend, fall, can we be grateful for God's goodness? Even though there are things in our lives that, that, you know, there are a challenge. We recognize that. We all carry that. He carried them as well, Merton. But gratitude is a position, I think, of the heart. Can we be grateful to God for his goodness that we have life and not be ungrateful? So that's something we need to hold in our hearts, I think. So the Blue Jays got blown away yesterday. See what I mean? So like they got blown. That should never have happened. How can you do that? They're, what is it, 8-1 or 8-2 or something? And then they blow it. I mean, all right, wow. I'm not happy about that. 
Nevertheless, God invites us to be grateful. So, you know, whatever the things are that are going on in your lives at a deeper level than just a sports team, right? Although for them, of course, it's very serious business. Grateful hearts. So to help us there, we're going to look at Psalm 30, which we don't always think of in terms of Thanksgiving season. We can think of other psalms more. But I thought um, I'll try this one just to have a different angle on it. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and did not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you brought up my soul from Sheol, restored me to life from among those gone down to the pit. So the prayer here, the heart of the psalmist here, is really one where he is going through illness, severe illness. Notice verse 2, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. So there's an expression of need. The need for the psalmist here is physical healing. So many commentators suggest that it actually might be Hezekiah, King Hezekiah of Israel. You remember Hezekiah was, 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 a, was a good king as they go in Israel, and he was suffering from an illness at the point of death. And he cries out to God, cries out to God, and God answers his prayer and gives him 15 more years of life. He answers his prayer and tells him, I will give you 15 more years. So it's an unusual arrangement and story, right? 15 more years. And so then, of course, Hezekiah is very excited about that. You can imagine. 15 years can seem like a long time away, right? You forget 15 more years of life. Well, that's, that's way in the future. That's what he's thinking. Time passes fairly quickly. But nevertheless, 15 more years. And he gives praise to God. So that, that's the situation that he's involved with. But in the midst of that, before he's, God hears and answers, he is suffering, he's in pain, he's hurting. It's a very severe situation. It seems that he had a boil of some sort, and it was very severe, and it was the questions of whether he would even live. You can read those stories or for yourself. And he references Sheol. So this is the Old Testament. Here's what one writer says. Sheol was not so much a geographical location as a sphere of influence. Wherever one finds the characteristics of Sheol, such as weakness, disease, misery, forsakenness, etc., there is Sheol. So Sheol is this sort of mystery. It's not just, quote, as we would see, Hades or hell. It was very much more abstract in the Old Testament. It was just kind of the netherworld. But the netherworld was not just a place. It was, a, it was an experience. Meaning, when, when we are feeling weak, when you are feeling weak, when you are feeling lost, when you are feeling hurt, when you are feeling emotionally stressed, or in physical pain, whatever that might be. In the Old Testament, they would reference that as Sheol. 
Sheol. I'm experiencing Sheol. So it stands for the angst as much as the netherworld. Do you see what I mean? So you might be here this morning and experiencing some level of Sheol. You wouldn't call it that, but you might be experiencing it. Sheol, employment issues. Sheol, money issues. Family issues. Relationships, children, parents. Sheol. So that's the place where the psalmist is writing. So you can imagine, as the psalmist begins, before God hears, it's a fairly intense emotional time of being down, of feeling lost. That's where the psalmist writes. That's what they're speaking from. Places of need. So in Thanksgiving season, we still have our places of need. You can imagine if you're in Ukraine right now, right, and you're in the cities there, there is a great sense of need, angst, worry. Bombs are coming in, missiles are coming in, you're never sure whether your place might be hit. It's like World War II with the, with the bombing runs. First city that the uh, Nazis bombed was the city of Belfast in Ireland. Imagine that. And it was bombed because of the big ports shipbuilding. And my dad used to talk to me about, you know, hearing the sirens going off and them having to find space somewhere that it was protected because the bombs were coming. They knew they were coming. Indeed, they were falling. So you're never sure, is a bomb going to land on us? Like, you don't know. And that's the same kind of reality that the people in Ukraine are experiencing. Missiles come. It's probably not a high percentage that's going to hit our building, but they do hit buildings. So that's very stressful. That is Sheol. So that's where the psalmist begins. But he experiences God as his helper. And then we see that here in verses 4 and 5. So the psalm begins with need and then thanks. Notice, sing praises to the Lord, O you his faithful ones, and give thanks to his holy name. The psalmist is going to give thanks specifically twice, here and then at the end of the psalm. Give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. That's his response. That's Hezekiah's response. Weeping may linger for the night. He was crying out. He did not want to die. That was his reality. He's king. He's in pain. He's crying out. Ultimately, God hears, weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. That's his heart's response. God hears. God is our helper. God works on our behalf, and so he gives thanks. He gives thanks. Peculiar here, for his anger is but for a moment. How, how is their anger? The king experienced God's anger, at least he felt that. Someone has written this, the purpose of God's anger is not to destroy, but to educate. 
That's interesting. So God does get angry with us. He is a God who's compassionate and merciful, but, that, but just like parents would, can become angry with their kids, so God can be angry with us. I don't know, has God ever been angry with you? Hmm. Parents, have we ever been angry with our kids? I remember one time, Natalie's not here, I'll tell a story about Natalie. <laughs> Too bad, Natalie. <laughs> but I remember, she's just a little tot. She's a little tot, and she sees this big blank wall in our house. So she gets her crayon, and she starts going over it, right? You've had parents, you've, you've seen this, little kids going crazy. Hey, there's this big blank space, I'm going to fill it up with all my coloring. I was just a young dad. I was like 25 or 26. What the heck do I know? I don't know about anything, right? Here I am with this little child. What am I supposed to do with this child? I don't know. So I know one thing. You're not supposed to write all over the walls. <laughs> At least that's how I was raised. You don't do that. So I start paddling on her bum. You see, you would never do this anymore. But, that's... but you know what? It was interesting. After about 10 seconds of that, I realized, Alan, stop. I remember thinking the thought, stop. This is more about you than about her. I was paddling, but I was uptight and angry. Never paddled any bums after that. My one and only time. I'm not commenting on parenting, all right? That's just my experience. That's what I did. So anger, right? We get angry. You get angry, God gets angry, but he doesn't get angry to destroy. If and when he gets angry, it's about education. It's about helping us. So we may go through some stuff and we wonder how it all happens. Well, you've got to figure it out. The psalmist does use that word. So how do we reference that? But the by and large of this first unit is that God helps us. He's our helper and we give thanks. We give praise. We are grateful. So on this Sunday, Thanksgiving Sunday, can we be grateful for God's goodness amidst the challenges that we might have, you might be having? So that's how the psalm begins. But then he steps back, and then this is a little turn here, and he starts reflecting a little deeper. And I'm saying he because it may well be Hezekiah. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you had established me as a strong mountain. You hid your face, I was dismayed. Note how it begins. I said in my prosperity. When that word is used, it's a sign that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about myself a little more than I should. I'm strong. King Hezekiah, he's strong. And so what's happening here is the psalmist, Hezekiah, is thinking a little deeper. He's thinking about his life. He's wondering about, okay, why, why did I go through that experience? Quote, why was God angry with me? And he starts thinking interiorly, and he says, it was my attitude. Interesting. I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. You established me as a strong mountain. That's a metaphor for God. You had made me super strong. Things were going great in my life. And I'm feeling pretty good about it all. And then stuff happens. So he looks interiorly. 
You hid your face, and I was dismayed. Then he goes back to this statement of praise. I'll come back to that slide. To you, O Lord, I cried, and to the Lord I made supplication. He even tries to argue with God. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Sheol, same word. Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be gracious to me. O Lord, be my helper. So he's feeling strong. He's feeling like he's got you know, the world on a string. And then he falls into this challenging time. And then he ends with, help me, O Lord. So the psalm begins with a challenge. It goes to praise. And then there's a little more reflection and he's thinking about his life. So we go back to this. Prosperity, carelessness. How do we become careless in our faith? Complacency. How do we become complacent? I think we can become very careless. You've been a Christian for a long time. You can just take it for granted. You're a Christian whatever, and we can become complacent, careless, not reflective. And so the issue here is that there can be a physical exterior challenge, but there can be an interior challenge which is even greater. And that's what the psalmist Hezekiah is talking about here. It's not just about this boil that I've got that won't go away. i got this little thing on my finger right here. It's sort of like a boil, <laughs> just a little. It's interesting. I had it for about two years and then went away. Talked to my doctor about it, and the doctor, my doctor says, Dr. Lee, oh, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Great. I got this. It hurts for two years. Don't worry about it, she said. But then finally it went away. And then suddenly it comes back. Like, what's this all about, right? You can never straighten it out. Well, he's got a boil. But the bigger problem is the interior problem. That's what he's thinking about. My view on prosperity. So here in the West, we can be careless. We can be complacent. We can be materialistic. We can only be thinking about what's going on around me or about my family, about my needs, and I don't really care about others, really. I don't say that, but I'm pretty much concerned about my, my, whatever the my is, and I don't worry about the rest. So that's an interior problem. And so whatever the interior issues that you have, those may be the real issues, not just the physical pain. Could be anger, anger with God. Could be jealousy, it could be greed, it could be a lot of things that are interior. And so the psalmist, he gives reflection on that. You see, in, in the middle of the psalm, we're not expecting that really, but that's where he goes. Careless, complacent, I have a strong mountain. And then. He recognizes in those verses that follow, Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. Having said that, then we move on and we see praise again. 
Let's go to this. You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken off my sackcloth and clothed me with joy so that my soul may praise you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. In the Hebrew, the last word is thanks. Thanks. The psalm ends with the word thanks. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Ever thankful is really. So the psalmist gives praise, gives thanks to God for working in his life, not just physically, but interiorly. And I think it can take a long time to get that interior stuff figured out on our part. We can carry that interior stuff for a long time. God is still waiting for us to kind of turn it over. So how do we end? Well, embodied worship, that's where the psalmist ends. Worship, you know, in the Old Testament is not just a head thing, right? It's not a cerebral thing. It's a whole life response. Hence, they danced a lot. Danced. I remember back in the 70s, man, during the Jesus people, they used to do a thing on Thursday nights at Catacombs. Anybody remember that downtown at St. Paul's Church? John, yeah? Catacombs. Dark, big. And I remember on those times, all of a sudden, dancers would come down the middle aisle. And they'd come down all dressed in white linen. It was amazing. And I was just blown away, just as a young guy. These dancers, I've never seen this really, coming down, dancing, big movements down the middle. I'm thinking, like, wow. Woo! It's my response. It wasn't just a head thing. It was embodied. You know, we've lost a lot of that, unfortunately. Not just us here, or us churches generally, but our culture. We're, we're man, we are locked up in our brains a lot. <laughs> we make things pretty cerebral. Not in worship in the Old Testament. And persistence. I will thank God forever. I will thank God forever. Something happens in your life that's good and you give thanks. Will we persist and persevere in giving thanks forever? Or will I forget after six months and be looking for something else? See what I mean? Will you really stay thankful? Forever, the guy says. I won't forget it. God worked on my behalf and I will not forget it. So the, the psalmist persists, perseveres. It's so beautiful. That's, that's what we need, all of us. We're very forgetful. What, what does God say to Israel? Don't forget me, right? Doesn't he say that all the time to them? Do not forget. Do not forget. They were forgetful, and we are forgetful. So will we stay thankful, give thanks? So gratitude, at the end here, three points. Gratitude, not ingratitude. The last word is thanks. Verses 4 and 12, give thanks. Can you truly have a heart centered on thanks and gratitude? Sure, you've got aspirations. Great. You've got dreams. You've got all those things going on. But nevertheless, I'm focused. I am grateful for God 
and his mercies in my life. That's my position. That's where we want to stay. Even though, sure, we want things to happen. Whatever. Gratitude. You can't just be grateful a little bit, Merton says. You've got to have a heart that's full of gratitude. So we need to think about that. Secondly, our crisis, we said this, is not just exterior. The true crisis is interior. That's where the real battle is going on. That's the battleground. Not just the stuff on the outside. So we need to turn all those things over to God. You know, all of us, I'm talking about myself. Attachments, give them over. Crises. Not just external, internal. And then thirdly, and this is the best thing, the miracle of grace. Grace. God's grace is truly a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that we are given abundant, eternal life. How could we ever, ever imagine that? That is a miracle. That God is offering you life eternal life, quality and quantity. That is a miracle. One can be in jail, right, for, for 20 years. And then you get out. And you can be given a new life of restoration by God right in the middle of that. Gratitude, grateful. Thinking of a film, uh, the title escapes me right now. Maybe you'll get it when I talk about it, but it's, it's a person on death row, and he had a terrible crime. He had killed somebody, a young couple had killed them both, took advantage of a young woman. It just goes on and on and on. It's terrible stuff. He's in jail. He's on death row. The only one who gives him any time, because he's not a very nice guy, is a Catholic sister. Dead man walking. Yeah, cool, thank you. And the Catholic sister shows him love and acceptance and stays with him through it all. And, and, and slowly that changes this individual's life. This, this one woman's attention and kindness in the midst of it all. And she says to him at the, b before he's electrocuted that keep your eyes on me, because she was with him until the very end. She's in the other room. Keep your eyes on me. And the last face you will see is a face of love. That. And, and that changes his life. He changes. In the, he, he did a terrible thing. It's awful. But in that midst, he, he still looks and is able to look. See, so that's the, that's the grace, you see what I mean? He's able to actually experience some love at the very end, even at the point of death. That's, that's a miracle. And you and I have our paths, and we've screwed up, and you've screwed up, I've screwed up, we've done th whatever that might be. It's but God's mercy is real, and God's mercy is greater, and it's a miracle. 
So God has given and done things for you that are miracles. Man, can we say thanks to that? If you really feel that and know that, that will change your life every day. My life is a miracle. And because of that, I will stand and walk with God and serve Him in whatever way I can in the midst of my life because it's all grace. It's all a miracle. It's not anything to do with how good you are, what you've done, anything like that. It's a miracle. That's what we have to see. And when we see that, we can be grateful. And that's where we're going to sing. We're going to sing right now God's mercy. Sitting under the shadow of his wings, mercy. May that be our response. One of thanks in this Thanksgiving weekend in Christ's name. Amen.